Hi, and thanks for downloading This Is US Sustainability, the podcast from the US Sustainability Alliance, the voice of US sustainable food and agricultural production. I'm Russell Goldsmith, and in this episode, we're returning to the Deep South as part of our special series recorded in Louisiana. Now, this time, we're talking about Louisiana's disappearing wetlands and the pioneering work to protect and restore them. You'll hear highlights from my visit to the Centre for River Studies in Baton Rouge, a collaboration between Louisiana State University and the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. And I toured the centre as part of the USSA's European media trip and saw its physical, movable model of the Lower Mississippi River. It's hugely impressive, uh, huge being the operative word. It's over 10,000 square feet. I also got the chance to chat to Greg Grandy, the Deputy Executive Director at Louisiana Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. Uh, He told me more about the model and some of the projects his agency is working on. But before all that, I'm just going to play a short extract from a voiceover that was uh, played to us actually as part of a presentation in the Centre for River Studies that sums up why coastal protection matters. Louisiana's coastal wetlands make up approximately 11% of the state. And if you consider only the dry land that we can walk on, our state looks much different. Together, man-made and natural factors create a powerful threat that has claimed vast portions of coastline. Every single day, we lose some of what makes this region so special, and it's more than many people realize. When you consider the staggering challenges we face, it's only natural to wonder if the fight is really worth it. In the end, we believe the threat to our communities of continued land loss is simply too high. According to the latest scientific models, if we do nothing, even a moderate land loss scenario over a 50-year period shows an additional 2,250 square miles of our coast at risk of disappearing. Fragile grasses of the Chenier Plain die and become open water. Barrier islands become submerged, allowing the Gulf of Mexico to completely overtake the critical bays and estuaries that are vital to our way of life. And some coastal communities will be lost altogether. The Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority was created to develop and implement a comprehensive master plan to protect and restore our coast. CPRA brings together numerous stakeholders, from everyday citizens and universities to private sector companies and government entities to find and carry out solutions that work. Since 2007, CPRA has completed or funded construction of more than a hundred projects, benefiting tens of thousands of acres of land, improving hundreds of miles of levees, and building more than 50 miles of barrier islands and berms. Through the work of many, Louisiana is building a blueprint for success. Our restoration strategies use our knowledge of naturally occurring functions to build, maintain, and protect precious land and ecosystems. This includes controlling salinity and its negative effects on animal and plant life, diverting sediment to where it's needed for land and marsh building. At points all along our treasured coast, We've seen true progress and built solid momentum, but there's much more work to be done. 
So after that brief introduction to the CPRA, let's listen to my interview with Greg Grandy, the CPRA's Deputy Executive Director. I started by asking him to tell me more about the CPRA, also the LSU Centre for River Studies, and the work they're doing to restore and reduce risks in coastal Louisiana. Our agency uh, is charged with providing protection for our coastal communities and restoring our ecosystem in coastal Louisiana. We've just had a, a tour of the center. It's, it's pretty amazing here. Do you want to just describe some of the areas that we've uh, just seen for the, the benefit of the podcast? Sure. The, the, uh, at, at the entrance of the center, we have some exhibits that talk about uh, the, the, the challenges that we have in coastal Louisiana, the land loss problem. Uh, we, we've lost uh, over 2,500 square miles over the last 100 years of, of wetlands in coastal Louisiana. And the challenges that has for our communities and some of the projects that we're working on uh, to help mitigate the impacts of those challenges. Who are the visitors that, that you have here? So we have visitors from all over the world that come and visit us. Uh, we we have a lot of school groups that come visit us as well. Uh, this is part of the curriculum that they study in school about our our environment, but also some of the uh, some of the the works that we're doing to help restore our ecosystem in Louisiana. We also have uh, folks from all, all over the world who study land loss problems. Uh, we we're hosting a group next week from Bangladesh. We had a group from Singapore a few weeks ago. So people come to learn from this and at the same time we're learning from them. Amazing and, and just explain how the work that you do here actually um, you know builds climate change resilience. So our our uh, coastal wetlands are, are challenged. We've had significant land loss problems and we project those land loss problems to continue into the future particularly as as sea level rise is, is, uh, is increasing and at the same time in coastal Louisiana in our deltaic areas the land is, is sinking so that's a bad combination for the future. Uh, so as part of our program, we, we look ahead and we create a master plan, a 50-year plan. So we're looking at not only what are the conditions today, but we're looking forward as well on what will the conditions be in the future and how, as that land changes, how that impacts uh, the, the water levels that come in from the storms that we see in the Gulf of Mexico. You've, you've got one of the um, world's largest movable uh, bed physical models. How, do, how does that all work? Sure. So the the model, and that, that's kind of the centerpiece uh, here at the Center for River Studies, it's a working model. So students from Louisiana State University work with, uh, with folks on our staff to, to help evaluate how sediment moves through that model in the Mississippi River and how it can be harnessed to help build land to reconnect the river to the floodplain in areas that had been levied, and they were levied to provide protection for communities that are there. Uh, but that protection also uh, prohibited that sediment from renourishing the marsh. So in certain targeted areas that we're able to go into, if we can uh, have a controlled diversion in those areas, reconnect the river to the floodplain, get maximum use of the, the land-building capabilities of the river, uh, and then those, those wetlands not only provide benefits for the ecosystem, but provides protection benefits for the, the communities uh, that, that are behind the levees and behind those wetlands. On our, on our tour just um, earlier, you were talking through a number of the different projects you're working on. Can you just 
highlight a couple that, that you might want to focus on? Sure. And and one of the projects that's uh, a big project is the mid Terry Sediment Diversion. It's one of the largest uh, projects that, that we've been working on in Louisiana. And again, that's one that reconnects the river to the floodplain. Uh, but right now, currently, we're, we're doing more dredging than we've ever done in coastal Louisiana to build marsh, to build ridges, to build barrier islands. So we're building marsh uh, with our partners from the National Marine Fishery Service in the upper Barataria Basin. So this is just north of where that diversion is. So the diversion itself, after that marsh is restored, right now there's open water. It's a shallow bay bottom, maybe two feet deep. We're dredging sediment from the Mississippi River and placing it at an elevation that uh, that will grow intertidal marsh. And so as that marsh vegetates up in the next two to three years after it's constructed, once that diversion comes on, it'll, it'll be able to nourish and sustain that marsh into the future. Uh, one of the other projects, and I discussed with, uh, with the group that, that was here today, uh, was the restoration of habitat on Queen Bess Island. So this is a, a project that was funded uh, with some of the fines from the Deepwater Horizon oil spill and it was to provide habitat for birds that were impacted uh, during the oil spill. We completed it back in, in uh, 2020, and we've seen just extraordinary uh, nesting of brown pelicans and terns and gulls and other birds. It has exceeded our expectations. It's wonderful when you work on a project like that to provide benefits for, for wildlife, and you see the, the immediate impacts of those, those uh, wildlife come back and uh, just young baby eggs in the nest, and then there are these horrible looking uh, little baby birds that only a mother could love and then they start to grow up and become uh, start to feather up and start to fly it's just wonderful to see uh, you just touched on uh, on uh, funding there um listening to these projects um that, that you've got going through and also i mean that the incredible facility that we've just had a had a wander around i mean how do you actually fund all that then sure so there there's funding uh from from besides the fines from the the civil and criminal fines from the oil spill uh, the, there's funding from our federal government, from our state government, and then uh, local governments as well. There's folks in, in Terrebonne and Lafourche parishes that tax themselves to build hurricane protection in their communities. And we saw during Hurricane Ida uh, protection work that was funded by local and state dollars, no federal dollars down, down in, the, in the area uh, that constructed projects before Hurricane Ida. It was primarily local and state dollars, the, 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 that Morganza to the Gulf system worked uh, really well and provided great uh, protection for the people that live behind Morganza to the Gulf. Do you ever get a day off? Uh, we had for Thanksgiving. It was very grateful for those days off. But we have a tremendous staff at our agency, uh, but we also have great partners that we work with at the local level, folks from academia, uh, folks from uh, nonprofits, the federal government, and then uh, contractors who, who help design and build and get land rights for these projects. Uh, and we have an amazing, amazing staff that we work with here in, uh, in Baton Rouge and our field offices in Lafayette, New Orleans, uh, in Thibodeau as well. So uh, we're, we're, we're grateful for our days off, but we're, we're also really excited for the work that we do. That's fantastic. Greg Grandia, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you. 
Well, that's all we have time for on this third episode of Four from our trip to Louisiana. Uh, in the next episode, I'll be chatting with two of the multi-generational family farms we met. Uh, one is a diverse operation producing crops ranging from crawfish to sugarcane. The other is an award-winning farm growing regenerative uh, certified cotton. It's run by two brothers and their dad. They were actually the first farmers I interviewed when this podcast launched back in 2021. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to learn more about the U.S. Sustainability Alliance, please do visit the website, which is thesustainabilityalliance.us. Uh, you'll find plenty of additional information about all the topics we've discussed in this episode on that site. And don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And of course, if you've enjoyed the show, please do give us a positive rating and review. But for now, from me, Russell Goldsmith, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.